Last week, we started a series in the book of Colossians, and I would encourage you to turn uh, to Colossians chapter 1 as we uh, continue on in that. And I know you, a lot of you got a message this morning from Marty encouraging you to, to bring a Bible, and that would be helpful if you could have it open in front of you, just because we're covering a fair bit of ground this morning. But before we do that, I think it would be reasonably helpful to give a, a brief recap of where we are. We're in a place called Colossae, which was in Asia Minor, or in our modern day, it's in Turkey. And Paul is writing to these Christians to encourage them to keep going in the faith, to keep on keeping on. We saw last week, verses 1 to 14, that Paul encourages them and also us to keep going in the faith because of the difference it has made in our lives, both as believing individuals and in the love that they have for one another because the gospel is advancing right across the world and because they know the gospel to be true. And because of these things, because of the difference it's made to them and across the world and because of the truth of it, Paul is going to encourage them to push on and grow in the gospel too. So he's been talking about what the gospel has done, but now he's going to talk about what it can do moving forward. So we're going to pick up the reading um, with a few verses that we read last week and then on through to verse 23. So Colossians chapter 1 and starting at verse 9. Paul's encouraged them to keep going because of all those things. And now, verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Let's pray together. Our God, we thank you that when we come to your word, we don't come to it as merely a piece of text from a long time ago, but we come before you when we come to your word. We come before a word which lives and which speaks to us. 
And so, Lord, we pray now that in your grace, by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you've ever taken on a job or a task where the progress has been really, really slow. Maybe you've started doing something and you expected to see results straight away, and it doesn't work out that way. Progress seems painfully slow. It's estimated that those who sign up to the gym in January as part of a New Year's resolution, 90% of them give up within three months. And one of the biggest reasons for that is because they don't see progress. They expect to be um, a different shape. They expect to have body transformation overnight, and it doesn't happen. So they give up. But often it's actually in things that progress is slow that give us the most satisfaction. Things that progress slowly are very satisfying because when we look back after a week or a month or six months or a year, then we see the progress and we're encouraged. I'll give you an example. It's a bit of a silly example, but over lockdown, my mom started doing jigsaw puzzles just for something to do. And we're talking about proper jigsaw puzzles, you know, a thousand pieces or, or more. She doesn't do anything less than that anyway. And, you know, they're nice skylines, nice pictures of the Tower of London, that kind of thing. But the toughest jigsaw that she has done is this one. And it's a picture of Laurel and Hardy and some others doing a jigsaw puzzle. Something ironic in doing a jigsaw, people doing a jigsaw, but there you go. But I don't know if you notice, all of the men's clothes, all of the hats, the door behind them, and some of the background, they're all black. They're all identical to one another. And so when she started out this puzzle, I walked in one day, and she had sorted out all the pieces. You know, she'd got her corners and her edges, and then she just had this massive pile of pieces that were black. Every single one of them, maybe 500 of them or maybe more. They looked identical to one another, very slightly different shapes from one another. Each had their particular place, but all completely black. So believe me when I say that progress was slow and rather her than me. I didn't think she was ever going to finish it, but that's the proof. That's a picture of her completed jigsaw. But the thing about it was this. She worked at it a wee bit every day, and some days she felt like she really got nowhere. But she sent me a picture of it every week. And she took those, progress, those pictures more than anything else to see that she was making progress. And after a few months, she was done. But I wonder sometimes do we kind of feel that way with our faith? Sometimes we look back and see progress. We say, oh, yeah, I don't do that thing I struggle with anymore. But other times when we're in the nitty-gritty, we just don't see progress. Like all those little black pieces, all we see is struggles. All we see is struggles with sin and things that happen again and again. And we just can't seem to change that much in the way we want to. We have an intention to kind of get things together but sometimes we just don't see the progress. And so we get easily distracted from our faith by any number of things, some good, some bad, but distractions nonetheless, rather than focusing on getting all these pieces together. And I think this is probably pretty close to the situation at Colossae. We thought last week it was a bit of a, a melt pot, a, a pressure cooker, full of lots of different ideas and philosophies about life and religion and morals and living. Many of them probably looked quite similar to one another, Many of them probably looked quite good and had their merits. It was hard to pick out which piece went in there, especially if you were a Christian. How do I navigate life as a Christian in this place? How do I live in a society like this? How do I put these pieces together? 
How do I live faithfully for God in the middle of all this confusion? And it's not hard to see how our lives in our time face many of the same issues and struggles as these early followers of Jesus. Paul has been encouraging them to keep going, to keep believing in the gospel. We looked at that last week, mostly in verses 1 to 6. Keep going because look at the impact it's had in your life. Look at the impact it's having all over the world. We know it's true. But in the midst of all these ideas about religion and life, Paul doesn't just tell us to stay where we are with the gospel. He does tell us to do that, stick to it, cling to it. But he also tells us that progress is possible. It's possible and it's desirable even that we would grow in the gospel. Look at verse 9 with me, what Paul is praying for these Christians, Paul and Timothy. He says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, or spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul and Timothy are continually asking that the Colossians would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. It's not something that they pray for once, and it's happened. It literally says that they never cease, they never stop asking that they would be filled. So getting the knowledge of God's will is an ongoing process. It's something that we grow in. But what is it? What is the knowledge of God's will that the Spirit gives? Is it that we could know God's will for every situation in our lives? Well, that would be nice. If you're anything like me, you probably wish that was true. You know, I wish I knew what was going to happen to me in the future, what God's will was. Even at the moment, I'm thinking about life in about a year and a half's time when I leave my assistantship in Ravenhill. Oh, that's sad. But it's not going to be for another 18 months or so, so you can't get rid of me that easy. But I'm thinking, Lord, where am I going to go? Where am I going to live? What school are the children going to go to? What sort of church will you call me to? Will Justine and the girls be okay? And I would like to know God's will, you know, right now in all those things because I'm a bit of a planner. I like to know what's going to happen. I wish I knew what to do with the house or everything else. But experience tells me, and in fact, the Bible tells me that that's probably not going to happen. So what does Paul mean then? What does he mean when he wants the Colossians to grow in the knowledge of the will of God? Well, I think what becomes clear as we read on is that it's possible to grow in the knowledge of God's will and purpose for us in Christ and in the gospel. Our knowledge of the gospel can grow in such a way that it becomes not just the thing that saved us and turned our lives around, it certainly is that, but it's the thing which causes us to keep going and growing in our faith and living out God's will for our lives. So we're going to see this in three parts this morning. Firstly, we're going to see what growth in the gospel looks like. Paul holds out this carrot, if you like, dangles it in front of us, and he describes what is possible for the Colossians to experience and for us to experience. So we'll see what it is meant to look like. Then secondly, we'll see how it's possible. And thirdly, we'll see where we are on the journey. Paul, if you like, gives us this map of our spiritual growth, and he tells us where we are on the map and where we're going. So firstly, what, what does growth in the gospel look like? Well, Paul has been praying that the Colossians will grow in the knowledge of God's will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So this is a, it's a spiritual wisdom. It's not something you'll get from studying theology or reading books. But then in verse 10, those key words, so that you may. And there are five things 
that we may do if we are filled with the knowledge of the gospel. And they're here for us in verses 10 to 12. I've tried to color coat them so you can kind of distinguish them from one another. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father. Now, we're not going to look at all of those uh, five things in detail, but let's walk through them and pick out a few highlights. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. That's what we want to do in our walk with Jesus, isn't it? To live for God and to please Him. That sounds amazing. And this actually is possible, Paul says. But often we don't believe that. Often we believe a lie, don't we? The lie that says that God doesn't want us to have any fun or any joy. The lie that says if we try to live for Him, we'll never make it up to the mark anyway. He won't really ever be pleased with us because we're sinful. Maybe He'll grudgingly acknowledge something that we've done. But we think that God is looking for even the slightest flaw in what we do so that He can, I don't know, tell us off or something. But this isn't true our lives will be far from perfect. Yes, that is absolutely true. But we can please God as we live for Him. The second thing Paul says is that we'll bear fruit. And we could spend a lot of time thinking about what that exactly means. But fruit is essentially a sign of health and of growth. It's a sign of health and of growth. And so when God's Spirit works powerfully in us and we grow in knowledge of the gospel, this pleases God it's us that have imagined him to be grumpy or hard to please, but actually genuine living for Jesus gives him pleasure and we grow in it. Isn't that what we want in our lives as we follow Christ? And as we do that, we'll know him better. Paul says we'll grow in the knowledge of God. This isn't a difficult thing or something that is only for intellectual people. It's something that is learned, remember, spiritually. As we live for him and as we please him, we get to know him better and what he's like. And Paul says this will give us strength, verse 11, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Growth in the gospel helps us in hard times. It gives us power when we're weak. When we're going through tough times, it gives us endurance. Now, this doesn't mean, obviously, that life will be easy. In fact, it probably suggests that it won't be. If, if you're anticipating that you're going to need strength and endurance, then, well, that suggests that life won't be easy. But what it does mean is that if we're grounded in the gospel and growing in the gospel, we'll be able to face whatever the world throws at us with more endurance because we have His strength, not ours. And then Paul says, we'll be thankful, verse 12, and giving joyful thanks to the Father. I don't think that there's any coincidence that in this little list that this one is last, because gratitude is a real sign of maturity. Once we realize more fully the depths of the gospel, what God has done in Christ, what He continues to do in the world and in our lives, we'll be thankful people. No one compares with God. No one else is generous in the way He is. And so a life in His presence is a life full of thanksgiving. So he holds up this carrot in front of us, right? This is what growth in the gospel is. It's living for God, pleasing Him, growing, bearing fruit, knowing God better, made strong by Him, and mature and thankful. 
Now, I don't know about you, and we've rushed through that today, but that sounds amazing. (laughs) But it also sounds like it's just a little bit out of my reach. It sounds like perfection, growing in the gospel, bearing fruit, knowing God better. Surely, I, I can't know all of that in my life with all my flaws. But this is where Paul tells us just how this is possible. Essentially, it's possible because of what Jesus has done. Look again at verses 12 to 14. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you see what's going on here? There's a transfer has taken place. Once upon a time, all of this was beyond us because we didn't know the gospel. Having God's strength in difficult times, pleasing Him, being thankful, knowing God Himself, those things were beyond us because we were living in the dark. But He has brought us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His Son, and His Son has saved us. And this transfer means that we're now in His team so we can share in his blessings. If he has the power to do that transfer, then surely he has the power to do everything else. Here's how one scholar, Mark Jones, puts it. Every blessing we possess is a second-hand blessing. They were first all in Christ because Christ was the ultimate man of the Spirit. By the enabling of the Spirit, then, Christ performed his work as Savior so that we, in turn, might receive these blessings. It's possible to grow because this transfer has happened, but if you're anything like me, you're thinking, yeah, okay, I kind of get that, but I'm not sure about me, really. I'd be happy just to be saved, you know. I'm not sure if all this growth is really for me, if, if it's possible for me. But Paul is going to insist further that this is possible because not only are we on Jesus' team, we're in His kingdom now, but because He has the power to do this. Verse 15, crazy words, difficult words, but powerful words. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Now, I realize that is quite a mouthful. It's quite hard to follow. But Paul is essentially saying that Jesus has the power to do this. The Son is the image of the invisible God. You and me, we're made in God's image, but Jesus is his image. He is God. He's the firstborn over all creation, Paul says. And firstborn here means that he has the rights of a firstborn. In other words, he owns it all. All creation belongs to him. You don't get more powerful than that. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Before all things. He's God, the uncreated one. In him all things hold together. Now, if that isn't power, I don't know what is. And this is the kingdom that we have been transferred into if we believe in Jesus, the kingdom of the power of Jesus. If he can create all that, if all things were created through him and for him, 
then he has the power to make us grow. Do you ever think that you can't grow in your faith because of your circumstances? Well, you have a God who is all-powerful. Are you in need in this world? Is that your struggle or, or financial struggles or uncertainties or stresses a reality for you? Well, Jesus had no wealth on this earth. He preached on a borrowed boat. He rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He was even buried in a borrowed tomb. And yet he's God. Do you feel alone in this world, alone in your faith, let down by those who are meant to love you? Well, Jesus knows something about that, doesn't he? All of his closest friends abandoned him when he needed them the most. And yet in him, all things hold together. Are you misunderstood in the workplace? Are you misrepresented, slandered, and persecuted for your faith? Well, so was Jesus. And he's the image of the invisible God. Maybe for you, it's temptation that you can't seem to get by. It keeps beating you. It gets you down. It makes you wonder if you could grow in the gospel at all. Well, Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, even though he's the one who created everything. Or is it your, your mental health, your stress or anxiety or depression, conflict in your mind? Does that just seem to have a grip on you? Well, Jesus knew distress to the point where he sweated blood, and yet he obeyed God perfectly. You see, if he has the power to do it, we have the power to do it because we are transferred into his kingdom. You might say, John, that's, that's all good, you know, but I'm not Jesus. And no, you're not. But the point is this, we've been transferred into his kingdom. We are in him and he knows what it is to struggle with what we struggle with. And he has proved in his life that he's the almighty God, the one who has the power to overcome these obstacles and live out the gospel. He had the power to do it. He's already shown us that it's possible on a human level because he did it on a human level. So if we're in his kingdom, growth in the gospel is available to us as we become more like him. Sometimes it's hard to see progress. I get that. It's like the, that black puzzle piece Progress seems at times to grind to a halt, but it's possible because he has the power to do it in us. Paul goes on to say that it's possible for us because he led the way. He did it first. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He is first, he is supreme, and we follow him. And then Paul again reminds us of that great transfer. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So growth in our faith, growth in the gospel, Paul has told us what it looks like, living for God, pleasing him, growing, bearing fruit, knowing God better, finding strength, being thankful. He's told us that it's possible because Jesus has gone before us and leads us. He has the power to do it, and he's proved that in his life. And it's sure to happen now that we have been transferred into this kingdom too. But Paul, he's a human being. He knows us well. He knows what we're thinking now. We know we're a long way off actually living like this at times, aren't we? He's told us what it looks like, this growth in the gospel, and that all sounded amazing. 
And we can see that it's possible because Jesus is powerful for him. Nothing is off limits. He's, he's God. Everything is in him and through him, and he leads us. So, I suppose the obvious thing to say is, well, it sounds amazing, but how do I get it? How do I get there? Where do I begin? Because it seems like I'm in the middle of this horrendous puzzle, and I don't know how to put the pieces together. The biblical scholar uh, Tom Wright tells the story of a time that he went to the Mall of America in Minneapolis. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's the biggest shopping center in the Western Hemisphere. It's huge. It's 5.6 million square feet. It's massive. It's so big, there's a theme park in the middle of it. You could spend a week there and not get around all the shops. And Tom Wright went to the Mall of America to buy a pair of shoes. It's a true story. And he got lost. He was nowhere near an exit, but on nearly every single corner in that mall was a map. You know those maps you get sometimes in shopping centers? The map was, as you can imagine, incredibly complicated. It had the whole mall on it, but he was able to find his way because on that map there was a little red blob that said, you are here. You are here. And I think Paul is quite aware that what he said is just quite overwhelming. The spiritual growth sounds good, but it sounds like it's far off. And all this stuff about Jesus being the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, well, that's just downright complicated. And so Paul says, yes, I know it's hard. I know it's complicated, but this is for you. But let me show you where you are on the journey. It's like the map that says you are here. Verses 21 and 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. You are here. You didn't used to be, but now you are. And so because you are on the map, no matter how complicated it is, no matter how many times you get lost, we're there. So we need to keep going. Paul says, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. You can grow in the gospel. Look at what is possible. You can grow because of the power of the Son of God. And even though it's hard, you are here. Keep going and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. It sounds simple, not moving from the gospel, but the truth is we do it all the time. We realize that once we didn't know God, we realized that we were sinners and no one of us was better than the other. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were lost and helpless. That's right. And the Bible says we needed a Savior because we could do nothing to save ourselves. That's right too. We could do nothing to help the situation. That's right. God in His grace sent His Son so that we could be transferred over into His kingdom because of the death He paid to pay the price for our sin and the life He lives which we share in and are therefore justified, we're accepted and saved in Him. That's right. And then when we're a Christian, we now live for Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And so now that we live for Him, our relationship with Him 
how that's going. Well, that depends on how well we're doing in living for Him. Wrong, 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 wrong. That's not right. And yet it's so often how we feel. We feel like when we're not doing well, we feel like we're disconnected from Him in some way. When we're doing well, we feel like we're on a kind of a spiritual high. Our acceptance before God, at least in our minds, is based on how we're doing, but it's not true. Our acceptance before God is based only on the gospel. It's how our walk with God started, and it's how our walk with Him continues. I'm accepted by God because of Jesus. That's it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Not my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, plus me doing well as a Christian, just as a little part of that package. Not because I was so faithful at attending a a prayer meeting or a Bible study group or church on a Sunday or anything else. Not my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, but you know, I've sinned and I've just taken a bit away from what Jesus did, so I'm not quite there with God anymore. No, it's not how it works. We are accepted and we're on sure footing before God because of Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. Of course, it's true that we're called to live for God. We, we can please God by living the life we're meant to live. Paul has said that already. And it's true that we can displease God by not doing so. That's why we feel like we have these spiritual highs and lows. But none of those is ever going to affect our being accepted before God. It's good to live a life worthy of our calling. Much of the Bible is devoted to telling us how to do that. But it doesn't affect even one little bit that we are worthy of our calling. Our acceptance at the beginning is the same as our acceptance now and on an ongoing basis. Our acceptance was won at the cross and in the empty tomb. It is finished. It is done. And so now our whole lives are shaped by the gospel, or they should be. And that's what the rest of this letter is about. You want to know freedom from guilt? Well, Jesus nailed our record of guilt to the cross. That's in chapter 2. That's the gospel. You think that you need to do religious things to win God's approval? No, Jesus fulfilled all righteous requirements, and so all Old Testament religion, it finds its completion in Him. You want to live your life for God now? Well, you need to put those sins to death because they were killed in Jesus when He died on the cross, so now that you live for Him, they die. That's the gospel. You want to know how to live well in relationship with each other? Well, Jesus was completely humble and submissive to the will of God for our sake, and you live for Him now, And so if we're following him, you've got to submit to each other too. That's the gospel. I probably should have given you a spoiler alert before I said all about the rest of the book. But that's the message here. Do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. It's the only hope we have, and it's the only hope we'll ever have on an ongoing basis. So spiritual growth, growth in the knowledge of God and his will, it's possible. And it looks pretty amazing. You can live in a way that pleases God. You can bear good fruit for Him. You can know Him better. You can find strength in Him when times are hard. You can mature in your faith and be thankful. And you can do all of that because of what Jesus has done in the transfer from our old way of life into His kingdom. And since He has the power to do anything, He has the power to do that in us. So you're here. You're on the map. You're on this journey of growth. 
All of us here this morning are in different points on the map if we're followers of Jesus, but we're all on there because of Him. Do you want to navigate this map well? Well, if you do, don't dare shift from the hope held out for you in the gospel, from the truth you find at the beginning. Don't shift from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come before you this morning, we realize that many of us are in places where life is difficult, when we particularly feel the need for your strength and patience in you. Lord, we come before you as people in all different sorts of places in our walks with you. But Lord, thank you that you dealt with us first according to the gospel, that you sent your son Jesus into the world to die in our place, to win us for yourself. And Lord, that is the basis of how we keep going. So Lord, help each one of us. Help, help us when we are tempted to think about our own performance as a sort of measurement of how accepted we are by you. But Lord, help us rather to rest in the knowledge and grace that you have saved us. By grace, not by works, so that no one could boast. So Lord, help us to follow Jesus. Help us to keep going and help us not to shift from the truth of the gospel for his sake. Amen.